on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Michael and Johnny. On this episode, we are joined by Lauren Walsh. We sat down with Lauren after she had announced she was turning professional. We spoke to her all about winning the NCAA National Championships with Wake Forest, turning professional, what that journey was like, but also what her journey was like to get into Wake Forest and deciding that the professional golf in life is exactly what she wanted to be doing. This was a great chat with Lauren. We've been trying to get her on the podcast for a good while, so it's great to have her on and talk to her about her journey so far as well as her ambitions and goals going forward but before we get into this any further just a reminder that the bogeyman podcast is brought to you by sports direct proud premium partner at this year's kpmg women's irish open lauren unfortunately will not be at this year's kpmg women's irish open as she is going to be at the lpga q school but it was great to have a chat with her all about what she's doing this year and what her ambitions are going forward so without any further ado here's lauren walsh now, guys, I'm delighted to say that we are joined by newly minted professional golfer, Lauren Walsh. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on today. Does calling yourself a professional golfer ever get old now? It's probably, what, like you're about a month in at this point? Yeah, about a month in. I don't know um, if it's really sunk in. It doesn't feel really much different. So um, I feel like I'm still playing the same golf. So the t- the title's changed, but I, um, yeah. The feelings the game, haven't changed, so. The game's the same. The game's the same. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but the, the, there's an update on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, could you tell us about how you, like, obviously you've had a, a wild season this year with an NCAA National Championships, turning professional, uh, getting your your first LPGA start. Let's let's roll it way back. So, how did you first get into golf? I think, believe, is like you, you and your sister got into golf at kind of the same time. Yeah, we did. Um, growing up, I played every sport, you know, played a lot of camogie and Gaelic football. So um was very into to sports. Um, you know, they were they were my first, I guess, love in sports. But then um she started golf with a couple of her friends and I tagged along because I was a sporty little sister. And then yeah, figured out we were we were actually pretty decent at the game and just kept going and got some coaching found out some tournaments to play in and yeah honestly I I tell people all the time we kind of just fell into it and I'm very glad we did did the uh so was it more camogie or was it football or were you kind of a, a dual athlete um it was funny I always preferred camogie um but I actually I stuck at football a little bit longer just the way the teams worked out where I was from um Stuck playing football for probably an extra year or two, um, but I broke my arm three years in a row playing football, and you know, tore ligaments in my knee. And jeez, pack it in, pack it in. I was like, no, I think golf is golf is made for me now. So it's it's safer. It's less injuries. (laughs) Injuries, yeah, and I haven't looked back. So yeah. Because I was going to ask with the camogie, a lot of players that kind of used to play camogie and now have moved over to golf kind of have a you know left blow right or cack handed swing as some people call it you didn't you didn't get into that habit you're young enough that you uh 
you uh, went straight into golf and you, you, I guess, played the right way or grip it the right way, as you can call it. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we were very lucky when we started. Um, there were some junior lessons on in Castleward. And so I guess I got the fundamentals down quickly and <laughs> knew, I knew how to, the right way to put my hands on the golf, on the golf club, I guess. So yeah, you, uh, well, look, the fundamentals have stood you pretty well to, to this point so far. When yeah. was it that you kind of decided or realized that, you know, you've taken the game up and you're good at this? You're, you're not just, pretty good you're you're good at a you know, regional and national level yeah I guess um I improved quite quickly you know I started working with Shane O'Grady who I'm still working with today and as I said I, I jumped up levels quickly and you know made interprovincial teams I think I was 13 or 14 when I got my first start at Interpros and then you know by 15 I was playing for Ireland and um it was kind of that that summer um I got my first call for the home internationals and I was going into TY like transition year. So I figured that was a good chance to test myself, you know, put a lot into golf and the following summer, if, you know, if I got some similar results and continue to play for Ireland, I knew then that America might be an option. So um, academics are really important to me here. Um, so it was kind of deciding of, I actually was thinking of maybe going down like the medicine route or do I go play golf? So I ended up um, after Dubai, I played some great golf that summer and um, chose golf in the end, uh, but, you know, still wanted to put a lot into school. So, um, yeah, it, it was nice when I when I got some offers from colleges in America and um, I was able to, you know, get a good degree and then um, obviously continue my golf too. So, And is it that young that kind of colleges start to court you or get in touch with you? It's it's the end of transition or start of fifth year, is it? So like 16, 17? Yeah it's it's like the September of fifth year so kind of they watched me play all that summer and obviously thankfully after after pulling a lot into it during transition year I had some great results that summer um you know I played well at the the British girls and you know European team championships and um so yeah it was was recruited by a couple of the coaches and then come September 1st I I didn't think I'd really get too many emails then I woke up and they emailed me at like two in the morning so it's kind of it's a funny, funny how quickly their system works. But um, yeah, um, obviously decided on Wake and haven't looked back. What are the requirements for for college? Because obviously, the the academic side of it, you are a student athlete. You're not just there to to be an athlete. So when you're talking to colleges, how do those conversations around the academic side of it? Because obviously, you know, you were saying you wanted to get into medicine, so uh, a very intelligent person as well as being a very good golfer. Does the uh, academic side, is, is it as important or how does, do the colleges over in the States kind of go, listen, you need to, to keep to a certain level here? Um, I think it depends on the, uh, on the college, you know, some colleges, I guess, have more of a focus on academics. Some of them, maybe not so much. They're more into the athletics. Um, you know, one of the big pools for me was Wake Forest was like, it's a private university. They, I figured that um, it would be a good place for me to be able to balance both. Um, obviously didn't end up going down the medical side I went into kind of math maths and business um but yeah for for them especially at Wake Forest it, it was important to have the balance of both so um I guess when I was being recruited the coaches kind of figured that out that I was interested in doing well in both so um yeah it was a perfect fit for me how did you what, what, sorry Go ahead. what was the what was the bigger culture shock was it the the change from Irish kind of golfing environment to the American sport environment or was it from kind of leaving search into American college university level which was the kind of bigger shock to you um I would probably say the sports side of things um I think 
I think honestly for me university over there was almost more similar to school in a sense there's a lot more like little assignments and like homework every week versus I feel like a lot of my friends who went to university here had like big assignments or big essays due maybe like once a month but I felt like I was like sitting doing homework every day at wake so um maybe that was just like me being in a math degree I don't know but um yeah I think the sports the way Americans like appreciate sports and like the, it's just such a big sports culture um you know walking around campus as like a student athlete um like they told us the first week yeah you guys are like celebrities around here and I, I didn't really understand it because like at home I was like yeah I'm a golfer but not not a lot of people cared really that much about it but um yeah no the sports teams were looked after so well um the facilities and everything that we're granted over there is such a help and yeah just they have everything looked after so I think that moving into that culture where um sports are so important was was yeah it was a big shock in a in a, in a good way because um you know it clearly helped me a lot and so you, you mentioned there that you also went over to, to Wake Forest um obviously a college that has now gone on to do incredible things from a golfing side obviously winning your national championships as Alex Fitzpatrick winning on challenge store there uh, the mm-hmm. other day Mark Power doing very very good stuff on the the amateur side what was it about Wake Forest that you know was attractive to you into going over there yeah um you know the weather in North Carolina was, was pretty help. favorable for me yeah it's better than Yeah, there was no question about that so that was a big part of it um you know I still believe like our facility um the golf facility that we have there is like one of the best best in the world you know we had access to two bent greens two Bermuda greens like the biggest range ever and you know trackmans you know indoor putting stuff um everything was there and you know the cell is our coaches always say it's a pitching you know from where you live like on campus so like your your on-campus dorms was 200 yards from the golf course or from the golf facility so you know knowing that like at any time of day I could just walk up and practice and uh, yeah so it's it was such a help knowing that I didn't have to get a car I could just like go walk everywhere it was very accessible for me so um yeah it was a no-brainer for me and was that just the uh the case with like you were golf athletes and so your accommodation was next to your golf practice facilities or is that just a happy coincidence that your accommodation happened to be a pitching wedge away from where, where your practice were. Yeah. So Wake Forest, it's a really small university. There's only about 5,000 students. So um, oh, wow. our facilities on campus. So you, you can get from one side of campus to the other in 10 minutes. So you're never further than 10 minutes from the golf facility, which is, which is really nice. Um, so as I said, very accessible. And I always say, if you're not getting better there, then there's, there's probably something wrong because it's all in front of you there. So. And you kind of hit the ground running in your first couple of seasons, got some good results in there. Obviously, your final year was the, the, the national championships and it's the first time the Women's Wake Forest team won national championships. How did you find moving into the college team environment? Because obviously, from an amateur perspective at home, yeah, you have your home internationals, Europeans, so you do play as a team, but there's a lot of stroke play and match play formats. Whereas over in the States, the team is a big thing and and, and Obviously, when it comes to national championships, that's the biggest thing. How mm-hmm. did you find moving into a weekend week out where you were playing with these teammates? But like, what 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 seed were you when you went over to Wake Forest? Were you number one picking the team straight out the bat, or how did that, how did that work? How did you find that kind of battle yeah. with your teammates? Yeah, it was interesting because especially my first year, you know, we get over and we start qualifying. So you're competing against these girls that you're teammates with. And then you have to go to a team, like you have to go to a tournament and then be teammates with them and like root for them. And, 
you know, um, like that qualifying uh, situation, like it's difficult, especially, you know, at Wake Forest, we had a very competitive team and um, we qualified more, especially my freshman year. And um, so I was fortunate. I always qualified. Um, I qualified well. So was probably, you know, my freshman year, I kind of worked up the team and um, was probably in the top three seeds, you know, come the end of my freshman year. And then um, sophomore year, we didn't qualify quite as much. I think we had a pretty solid five that our coaches knew we're going to be the ones like competing for a national championship. So sure. um, I guess the years went on, I didn't have to qualify as much. I guess like my results showed for themselves of, um, and I think that stands for, you know, there was probably three, four of us on the team that were, you know, we were all ranked inside the top 50 in the world. So um, I guess there was less stress on the qualifying because our coaches <laughs> needed to could perform at the tournaments and, and give the results that they wanted. So it was also nice for me that meant to took some pressure off in practice. Like, you know, our coaches then gave us the freedom to work on in practice what we needed to work on to, you know, keep improving. It wasn't just trying to work on something to play well and qualifying this weekend. It was, okay, our tournament's in two weeks. Like, what can I do over these two weeks to make sure I'm in a good spot to play? So I think that really paid off for us. And, um, yeah, as I said, I think there was a time when we had five, six players inside the top 100 in the world. So, you know, when you're practicing with those girls week in, week out, um. It was a competitive environment, but a very friendly competitive. You know, it was always, okay, let's go have a chipping contest or driving contest. Let's go play nine holes match play. Um, so there was always someone to compete against, which was great. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't help but get better in that kind of environment. Exactly, yeah. And as you mentioned, like Alex and Mark were on the men's team. We had a very competitive men's team too. So there was always someone there to compete with and to, to make sure you're pushing yourself to get better. Yeah, we were talking about like practice wise. Are you are you do you enjoy practice or do you need do you much prefer having like a chipping contest competitive or that? No, I'm gonna work on this for however long it needs to be. Um yeah, I, I quite enjoy practice and I do enjoy when there's people there and you know I get to you know practice with, with other people too, but um I do enjoy practice myself. I do like to keep it even competitive with myself. Like I have certain putting drills that I'll go do that, you know, I'm trying to get a certain score or especially with long game, I do long game. I do a lot of track man tests and um, stuff like that. So um, I feel like I'm always competing, even if it's just with myself in practice. And that's just how I find this best. So, um, yeah. So, so this year, uh, I guess in your final year, you had that, there was a season long kind of competition between yourselves and Stanford throughout. And I think a lot in the last year or so, Stanford really got a lot of press, obviously having like Rachel Heck, Rosang on the on that team, as well as a number of others. Has there been that kind of head-to-head between Wake and Stanford throughout your entire college career? Or is that something that kind of just came to the fore in the last what 18 months or so? Yeah, I would say definitely just in the last kind of 18 months or so. I think when when Rose and Rachel joined their team, obviously they kind of, they, they've always historically had a good women's team. But I think our first two years we were ranked, you know, very highly as well. They weren't quite as strong at the, at the, in those years. Um, but again, as you mentioned, Rose and Rachel joined the team and um, they started, you know, playing very well week in, week out. Um, it was difficult for us. We didn't see them very often in regular season because obviously they were out on the West Coast. We were on the mm. East Coast. They don't, they don't tend to travel a lot um, until um nationals we saw them in one event in October last year and um we beat them in the stroke play they beat us in match play um and the way the rankings worked out I think we got to one and we got to one on the rankings for 
um a couple weeks but they were kind of one for the rest of the year we were two so um yeah there was there was as you said they got a lot of press they had a lot of hype around their players but you know we had full faith that um we were just as good and we could you know beat them in the national championship for for the national title if we had to so um yeah there there, there was competition there you know it, it, we didn't end up playing them in in nationals in the end but um yeah there was that competitiveness there I guess did you like kind of coming in because obviously they had a lot of press as a team do you guys kind of prefer coming in as that for lack of a better word underdog even though you're you know the higher ranked team for a lot longer than they were um yeah I guess we I don't think we saw ourselves as underdogs I think no the press saw us as underdogs which which maybe that helped us a little bit um I think we went in very confident and I've I've said it in a lot of places we were so relaxed that week of nationals and I can't even I don't even have the words to describe it but everybody was so relaxed there was no there was no pressure there wasn't quite as many nerves as what I expected there to be um you know we've had a lot of intense tournaments over the last four years but um everything just seemed to fall into place in a weird way that week of of nationals and um yeah, it, it was a special week, but I think maybe us being perceived as underdogs maybe helped us in that sense. But um, yeah, we were very, very comfortable that week. Yeah, you guys definitely didn't look like or feel like underdogs. There were a couple of number of team titles that you had won throughout the year that uh, from afar I'd been kind of keeping an eye on that. It, it definitely seemed like the, you know, the two big Goliaths of college golf that year were definitely yourselves and Stanford. And so to have you guys kind of come to head when it came to the national championships, can you talk me through that week? Because from what I've heard that week was just absolute insanity. We had Sarah Byrne on the podcast. She was talking mm-hmm. to us about kind of the individual side of it. Yeah, what was yeah. the team, what's the team element like? Yeah. Um, it's a crazy week. Cause obviously we go through the same process that like the individual tournament is the first four days. So it's, four day stroke play um and then after three rounds the top 15 teams go to the final round after the final round the top eight teams go to match play so you know we're there you get a walk through thankfully we had already seen the golf course like from previous year so our coaches went and did the walkthrough we kind of stayed inside because again it's in Arizona it's 40 degrees every day and it's just ridiculously hot that you can you know you need to conserve as much energy as you can so and then obviously we, we finished in the top eight so we went to match play we played two matches, um, like the quarterfinals and the semifinals in the same day, and then um then the final the day after. So I think it's something like eight rounds in seven days in 40 degree heat. So it's it's intense. Um and your body definitely feels it by the end of the week. You know, we had one teammate who ended up in hospital with heat exhaustion, had to get an IV in her, and yeah, and that, that's things that people don't see. It was the night Jeez. before the quarterfinals and semifinals, and she went out and won her both both her matches. So um yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a long week. Um, but um, yeah, Irish people were not built for that heat. Like, I mean, that's that's uh, it's, it's, it's not. My coach texted on me number of times. You doing okay, Lord? I was like, yeah. Good. Do you have the do you have the factor fifty on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the ice tells, and we had I had an umbrella up all week. Um, but yeah, it it it's a long grind, but um, worth it in the end, I guess. And was it in the same finals you played USC? Was that it? So we we actually we played we played Southern Cal in the final. They beat Stanford in the semifinal, um, and then we went on to obviously beat Southern Cal then in the final. So, um. and so do you uh, because obviously there was the the 
kind of comparison between yourselves and Stanford, would you have liked to have, have seen them or faced them in the final? Or was it a case of bring on anyone? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you win a national championship, you win a national championship, regardless of who you beat. Um, you know, maybe maybe Southern Cold did us a favor in, in beating them in the semifinal. As I said, as I mentioned before, I think you backed yourselves. We, we were all yeah, we backed ourselves to beat anyone. So um it was the way the way the draw worked out. Um, you know, us and Stanford were on opposite sides of the draw. So I think a lot of people maybe expected to see us in the final, but you just don't know in match play like our first match against Florida State, I think was our toughest match of the week. You know, we had um we had two matches go down extra holes and we needed one of them to win. So um I was going down 19 as my teammate I saw her go down 20 and then she won so then my match was called in but um you know that like you know one of those matches don't go your way and you know the the rest of the week looks a little differently but um yeah I think you know our toughest match was Florida State that week and um we played well all week and yeah the result went our way so then when it came to the final itself you obviously as you're saying yeah so then Cal you and you yourself were the, yeah. the the anchor kind of for that team and you won the the clinching point. Mm-hmm. Talk me through the night before or the day like before you head out for the for the final round for the finals. Like what's the conversation like with your teammates, coaches, how's the order picked? Like talk us through all of that. I, I, I want to kind of get a proper sense of it. We're I, I guess as as a team like we're not involved much in the selection of like what order we go out in. I think like both my coaches have a conversation and after how the week had gone um so basically if you don't know how the matches are done is because we were the higher seed we could either throw a name out first and then they match it or we could defer and then they throw a name and we match or whatever whatever way it goes um so I can't even remember. Oh, so, so it's not like it's, it's not like Ryder Cup where just both teams put out their list it's literally this tactics that they get there like is a yeah. draft system where you're going, okay, they've sent out a big hitter. We got to yeah. match that big. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I that's like so that. cool. I like that's, that. Yeah. So our that's coaches that. have strategies of, oh, we'd like to see this You versus this that person. person. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they I should guess- do that. They, they should do that with the Solheim and the Ryder Cup. That would be unbelievable press conference, like and a camera in both ca- captains' rooms and them like looking at stats and then yeah. sending it. Oh, brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah, no, it is good. So, um, I guess the day before Brianna, the girl who I ended up playing, she had just beaten Roseanne. She had played really well all week. So again, I had played really well all week. So I guess I expected to, I think my coaches wanted to see that matchup. Um, so I think the matches really went our way. We, I think we threw out Amelia first because, you know, we have full faith Amelia is going to go out and get her job done. So um, I don't know who they matched with. We had another great match in Rachel Keane and Marie Avery. That was another really good match and then um obviously myself and Brianna worked out well too so um yeah it's it's definitely strategic how they do the matches um but we were we were really happy with the draw um after we saw it like there wasn't much much more said you know we all knew what we needed to do um kind of we did our normal team meeting we went through the pins and yeah we had a lion we didn't get off till about two o'clock so um you know we kind of chilled out that morning um yeah, as I said, got up to our team meeting and just went to the course and business as usual, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, what way, what a way to also take care of business. Like Rachel's game against Samari was was a great game. Your win as well was a, was a great win. Um, what what was it like then to to make history for the college? Be the first women's team to win national championships. I, like all the videos that were posted on across social were were looked like you guys had, had a lot of fun. Yeah, Pri- no, private jets and everything. 
yeah um I guess we were told the night before the final that um they said girls regardless of the result tomorrow like there's a there's a charter playing back for you guys um like oh, the God. morning after the final so we knew win or lose we got on the <laughs> it's a nicer flight though with the trophy though let's be honest definitely definitely we had we had the trophy strapped in on the back so um yeah no it was it, it was absolutely like insane it's the only way I can put it um I had no idea I saw a scoreboard through six and I was I got off to a great start um I think I was five up through six but on the scoreboard Rachel had just gone one up and the rest of it, we were one down and one and the other two were tied so I was like oh the rest of them are close so like I just need to keep going and then I get I get to the 12th hole I see my coach I'm like oh why like why are they here already I thought they'd be with the you know the closer matches um and I said so like how are we doing and he said oh Rachel just won Amelia just won I was like so we need one more and he goes yeah we need one more so uh, no pressure Lauren I'm just standing here watching her to hurry up and see if you can get this win so we can win at that point I was I think I just lost a hole so I went back four up and then I lost the next hole I went three up (laughs) Um, but yeah it all worked out in the end I have the next two or have the next three then to get the job done so um but yeah that last hole was was incredible and you know, having the the whole team there, everybody there, it was, yeah, my hands were shaking over that last but I can tell you that much. So, you were saying that when you went over to college first, you were treated kind of like a like a celebrity as a student athlete. I say that was multiplied somewhat now when you came back with the national championship. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was definitely nice. Um, they had like a lot of people there to welcome us back, and obviously all the all the students were going home. Um, because you know college was done, but um. Yeah, no, all the messages and everything I got that week was, you know, um, was was very cool. And um, you just, yeah, the Wake Forest community is great. They were so supportive from beginning to end. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of people reach out, which was which was really nice. And so it wasn't too long then after winning national championships, you went on to, you played the, the Palmer Cup. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it was a, a pretty probably the, one of the worst kept secrets that the ambition was always to turn turn professional at the end of that that season. When mm-hmm. did you kind of for yourself make that decision that this was going to be the uh, this is going to be the the year and it wasn't going to be a couple of years pr- prior? You wanted to finish your degree and and, and then get into pro- professional golf. Yeah, you know, for me, I always knew I wanted a degree. There was no question there. So um, it was more the question was, will I turn pro at the end of it or not? And I guess I figured after it was really after my first year in college, I figured, you know, I've had some good results. I'm loving this lifestyle. You know, I don't want this to end after college. So, um, yeah, I figured full-time golf was for me. So, um, yeah, I knew after the, whether it was kind of the end of the summer, beginning of the summer, you know, there was, um, a couple of things up in the air, but, um, yeah, no, I, I, I kind of knew after my first year in college that I wanted to give the pro life a go. What goes into making that, pro decision because obviously like a lot of things specifically within the golf Ireland setup a lot of things are organized for you like your travel accommodation flights everything is is kind of there for you same thing with college golf over in the states Mm -hmm. I imagine you don't have to book your own flights to the tournaments no they just get private jets around the place (laughs) national titles become all American it's grand they do everything themselves but then it's when you when you turn and everything. <laughs> yeah. then you turn pro and, and everything is on on your own shoulders. How much prep did you put into making that decision in terms of like I imagine you've got a full team around you now or or have you? 
um so right now I don't um I'm not with any management company right now um I've talked to a couple but um I guess I'll, I'll wait for a little while before I uh fully commit to to any group but um you know right now my family are great my parents have helped me out a lot you know I'm still working with Shane he's helped me out a lot you know even my coaches back at weight they've been they've been great help um but yeah there's a lot more that goes into professional golf than I think what people think they're like oh you turn pro and you just play golf and you know there's a lot of organization that goes into it as you said booking flights hotels you know visas like there's a lot of it um you know thank um I'm a very like type a personality I'm very organized and you know um even all my amateur golf you know I kind of I looked after booking a lot of things and you know my parents kind of you know knew that that was my personality type so kind of left a lot of that to me so um I guess that helps me a little bit um you know I like to be organized I like to know my schedule and what I'm doing so um I don't mind taking on some of that and as I said my parents have been a great help and you know all my family happened so um you know so far it's been good um but yeah it's yeah I can't complain it's 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 been a lot it, there's been a lot more to it but um yeah I, I've been enjoying it so far uh, so you haven't suggested to your sister to to take a break from teaching and carry your bag for you now I know I mean, maybe I, I, I alluded, alluded to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know she she needs a uh, one or two more years before she can get her full-time contract so maybe, maybe <laughs> after that she might be able to take a career break and come with me yeah. <laughs> um, for now she has to go work so yeah <laughs> so what was like what was it like making your your pro debut so you made it at the at the Dana Open uh on the LPGA mm-hmm. did it uh, feel different to to a, a, a college event or an amateur event knowing that uh you know there's no money on the line mm-hmm. yeah um honestly I think there was there was a lot of hype around the first week you know everybody was reaching out which was like very much appreciated but you know I, I there definitely was like a lot of pressure that week you know um everybody knew I was starting at my pro career so it was very exciting week you know there was there was a lot going on I guess behind the scenes too to try and you know bring it all together as well so um yeah I really enjoyed that week you know it was really nice to have Cloda over with me my sister Caddy um but yeah I, I really enjoyed the week you know the the setup of the tournament I've been fortunate I played in I had some experience in the in you know professional events I've played in a lot of high amateur events that have been run very professionally um so in that sense I was fortunate like the experience and the media coverage and just the cameras and the setups um I felt quite comfortable in um and yeah the preparation all week that all went really well the morning of the first round I was really nervous probably one of the most nervous I've ever been but it's funny once I started warming up I was fine got to the first tee I was fine um it was almost just like the anticipation before I went so um yeah really enjoyed the week but um obviously just just missed out on the cut but um yeah a lot learned and a lot to bring forward now as I continue my my pro career what's learned you said a lot learned yeah I guess just like dealing with um you know those added bits that kind of go on you know you experience all of that in in other tournaments too but um you know in a professional setting you know sometimes that there's a lot of things that can take from your golf so um for me you know learning how to you know manage those a little bit better um you know and then in my game in general um you know seeing kind of how like some of the better players like what what they're doing and you know figuring out oh like you know this part of my game you know for me my iron play was good for some of the for some of the two days and I could see that's like where it needs to be all the time to compete so um yeah no it's um it, it was it was a good experience and you know gave me gave me some good insight to go practice then the, the last couple of weeks 
From there, then, like you, you went on, you played a couple of LET access events. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you did, you did a T8 finish in there as well. So instantly, you had a top 10 finish. You're, you're up there with a strong result. What's the kind of the short-term plan now for, for events you want to play? Is it, is it kind of primarily around Europe? Because you're also part of the Anika program. Which is mm-hmm. which is a whole other a whole other um, amazing achievement. Which actually, before we get into the European side, like talk to us about that. Yeah. So the Annika Annika Sorensen and her foundation have started this new development program for girls coming out of college and who are turning pro. So um, I was very fortunate. I was selected as one of the first four ambassadors. So um, as part of it, we get um, some financial support, like an apartment to live at in Aiken in South Carolina and a golf course to practice at. So um, really cool experience. Um, you know, it will just mean for the winter time, you know, I have a place to base myself out of in the States. You know, the three other girls are obviously trying to do the same thing I am. Um, so just to have that, like kind of, you know, I've been used to that kind of team setting. So to be able to continue to practice with girls who are doing the same thing and to have a mentorship um in some of the successful as Annika is just just incredible. She's a wealth of experience and you know the Annika Foundation they do so much to give back to the game. So to be able to play a small part in that is 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 really cool and something I'm excited for. How close is the apartment in Aiken to to awake in that practice facilities? Because I imagine if it's close enough, you probably practice at awake and it'd be kind of familiar surroundings. Yeah, so I think it's it's about two and a half hours. So I'll be able to go back and, you know, visit some of my friends, my coaches for the weekends and 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 get some practice in back there too. Um, but we'll obviously have access to a new golf course called Old, Barn- Old Barnwell. Um, that's, you know, they're going to have pretty good facilities too. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Do you get to spend much time with Annika then as part of the, the ambassadorship? You get to p- pick her brain and kind of learn from her directly? Yeah, so um, part of it is, you know she she's kind of a mentor for us for the next like three years um and then she hosts um multiple like share my passion clinics throughout the year so as part of it we'll um like us as ambassadors will like participate in that and then you know hopefully inspire the next generation of you know young kids to kind of get into the game and you know show them where it can take you so um I think that's a cool part of it for me because you know I as I said I fell into golf you know my parents weren't necessarily golfers so you know, to maybe be able to help, you know, other kids, you know, have a similar experience would be would be pretty nice. It's a it's a pretty handy person to have on the other end of the phone when you want <laughs> yeah. a tip or a chip or, <laughs> or when you want to work something you're putting. Oh, okay, so why don't have a look at this video as you're putting as you're putting in the in your bedroom? Is this... <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely really cool, and I think it's a it's a good new initiative they've started. So, um, as I said, very glad to be part of it. So, talk to us about the the immediate plan what's what's coming up next you've got more let access at pjq school what's what's in the, in the near horizon yeah so i'm actually i'm going back to wake next week just to practice for a week before i go to lpjq school so lpjq school is the last week in august so i'll go do that um <clears throat> and hopefully make it through stage one i'll have stage two then in later in october um but between kind of stage one and stage two i'm hoping to come back to europe two more let access events in september um maybe an let event if if i can get an invite so um yeah so kind of q school and then maybe one or two things in europe so um yeah unfortunately the irish open class for the first stage is q school so that's not on my radar this year but um hopefully in years to come there'll be many more irish opens to play in 
Ah, yeah, sure. No doubt you'll probably be one of the, the players that will be flying in from the LPGA to come back and play play the Irish Open. How grueling is LPGA Q school? Like, it's I've heard stories that it's, it's what, eight weeks or eight rounds all in? Um, So it's actually, it's over three stages. So the first stage is four rounds, second stage is four rounds, final stage is eight rounds. Um, That's crazy. Like, that's, yeah. that's so, an intense amount of golf. It is, and it's it's based out like the first stages in August, second stages October, final stages like November, December. But um, it definitely is like a long, a long, long process to you know get to the end. But um, I guess the added part is you know if you don't make it all the way, you know you get to stage two, you get some sort of Epson status for next year, and you know you can work away up to an LPGA tour card from there. So I think there's plenty of options. There's different. There's different like routes to go to to get to where I want to go so um I guess that's how I'm looking at it it's you know if it doesn't happen this year that's okay you know there's there's plenty of ways to get there and um it is just going to take time and um yeah that's that's okay I've I've, I've signed up for all of that so um yeah it's, it's all good and so if you're going to be in the states have is your suitcase full of something that you can't get over there like are you bringing tea bags or potato crisps or is there anything that you missed from Ireland when you're in the States oh Cadbury's chocolate you can't go wrong <laughs> I'm not a tea <clears throat> so the suitcases yeah suitcases always full of full of, full of Cadbury's um you know always <laughs> on my birthday and Easter I get a care package from home with a bunch of Cadbury's too so um yeah that's that's the go-to and even all my housemates um all my housemates in america they they all got into the cadbury's chocolate too so yeah um, I, don't, I don't know how, yeah. how the americans eat hershey's it's oh, horrible it's, it's it's awful yeah but um yeah all my friends even my coaches they always they always get excited when my mom sends me over a little package because everyone knows they're gonna get some good chocolate in so <laughs> So that's why we we get we got to send to you now is uh, after after a good result to be a PGAQ scholar on LET access, just a box of chocolates, Cadbury chocolates. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah. That's a great partnership, actually. That'd be a sponsorship that you need to get on Cadbury. It's like a good bunch of chocolate. You can have a, have it on your jersey. You can have it on the on your polo and everything. Cadbury's chocolate. You give it out to the kids and the watching <laughs> yeah, the bar beside the bar of Cadbury's. <laughs> Yeah, don't be don't be handing out uh, golf balls, handing out little dairy milks here and there. You'll be, you'll, you'll be a big fan favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, Lauren, for for coming on, having a chat with us. Um, good luck uh, with Q School. Um, look, good luck with everything over the the rest of your career. No doubt, we'll be in touch and we'll have you back on. We uh we we might tap you to be our our player on the on the LPGA and on the LET. Uh, you can be our touring professional. <laughs> Sounds good. Listen, thanks very much, and uh, cheers for uh, coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 